0: It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. If anybody in their right mind is worried about Jalen Brunson translating the next level, then they didn't watch him play. I
1: believe their team is absolutely man.
0: I really do not think that they're going to be denied. Whether it's the fight in Bills, the Birds, the Fly Guys, the Process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. Stop feeding John Mita car bombs. Run the ball, control the clock, don't do anything stupid. Hit John Mita.
1: Kids out there, make sure you practice your free throws.
0: Dear God, give me an interview with the Eagle Scouting
1: Department. I know I can do better.
0: What is up, SoundCloud? What is up, iTunes? It is the one and only Brotherly Love Podcast. Thank you for checking us out. Joe Donald John Mita here with you. Always a pleasure to be joined by your great company, Johnny Mita. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I
1: appreciate that, Joe, man. I know you Thank do. Thank you. Thanks, I know you do. thanks for the high praise.
0: You got yes, it, brother. I Anything do. for you. Um, all right. Well, you were at the barn on Sunday. We'll dive into the Eagles-Cowboys game coming up. But we're going to start with the Eagles win another Season saver, if you will. We'll jump into the Flyers and the official hiring of General Manager Chuck Fletcher. Uh, we've got our man that's tacky segment, and uh, we're gonna have all on the fly as well. So a lot to get to on the Brotherly Love Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Appy Love Podcast. Check us out SoundCloud, iTunes, and of course, spread the love. We're nearing ten thousand clicks on SoundCloud, people. So thank you for your support. Continue to pass us on to your peeps. We'll try and do our best to bring you some uh, some real passionate sports talk. Uh, Johnny Mita. I wrote off the Eagles a couple of weeks back when they lost to the Dallas Cowboys. It was an uninspiring, deflating performance at Lincoln Financial Field. The next week, they got their doors blown off by the Saints. And in the run of three straight division games to follow, the Eagles now 2-0. They've won back-to-back games for the first time. The wounded Washington Redskins limp out of Lincoln Financial Field. Eagles at 6-6. and If they win in Dallas this weekend, virtual tie for first place. Let's start with the win Sunday, uh, or Monday night, rather, at the Link. How was the atmosphere? What jumps out about the big win for the birds to kind of keep their season at least on life support?
1: Yeah, well, um, a couple things jumped out. It was nice to see that you had some defensive backs in the lineup that you recognized their last name. I think that was a big help. Not that Washington's quarterbacks could hurt us because, like, they're just not that good. But that stood out. But just, again, the commitment... of running the football is so imperative for this team to be successful when this team is rushed for over 100 yards they are six and one six and one Doug Peterson please remember that so it's just that once they get that going it just seems to open up the offense a little bit it was so nice to see the great return of one of my favorite all-time players Darren Sproles, comes back it's a huge touchdown Jason Kelsey's block on that play, by the way.
0: Outstanding. To take out yeah. two
1: people, it was incredible. Just pancakes the linebacker. Then he just buries Ha Ha Clinton and guy. That was an unbelievable. And I, I think the offensive line is getting a little more healthy, and I think that's making a difference. You saw some good things out of Carson Wentz when he was rolling out of the pocket, throwing the ball on the run. That was kinda, kind of a mirror image of some of the great things that he did last year, so that was a great sign. I still think if you look at some of the throws that he misses, the one thing is a little concerning is that some of the throws he is missing on, it seems like his footwork is just not there. He seems like that he's strung on, on, on the back you know, part of his feet, and I think that's why he's using all arm strength. The ball seems to sail a little bit. It was nice to see them get Golden Tate finally involved, and I'd like to see more in that moving forward. Zach Ertz does his job every week, just catches a ton of balls, but – the good thing is the defense, they did give up that one huge 90-yard run, run to Adrian Peterson. But apparently, and then on me reviewing the tape, I saw there was an egregious holding penalty. Nigel Bradham got held. It was not called on that, so that play probably shouldn't even count it. But all in all, it was nice to see. And believe it or not, Joe, Jim Schwartz decided to blitz Sidney Jones on the corner, and guess what happened? Mark Sanchez does what Mark Sanchez does best: turn the football over throws the pick to Nathan Jerry. And um, I, I just want to see more pressure. Like last time the Eagles played the Cowboys at the link, Dak press got through for like 270 yards, which is probably like his season high on the year. And if you just pressure him and Jim Schwartz in years past, obviously we're not really have the horses in the secondary, but, in years past, when they pressured to blitz Prescott, he he's been average at that. So I'd really like to see them dial up some pressure. Uh, there's a couple guys who might get back. Jordan Hicks might be able to play this week. Avante Maddox that'll also help out the secondary a little bit. And um, you know, all in all, decent game. It would have been nice, and, you know, Carson Wentz throws that that pick inside the goal line, but again, you know, that's a first down play. I just don't understand. The one thing that just bothers me with Doug Peterson's play calling is Carson Wentz will, will, will bail him out. He'll get a third down completion. his first down, and then they go right back to the pass. I would just love to try to set the ball, like just set things up, you know, try to get seven, eight yards on first down with a running play, and then maybe go into play action and take a shot downfield. So.
0: I, I hear you. Look, and especially when you're bunched up in that goal line situation, there's defensive backs and linebackers, and he just didn't make a good throw on that ball to Alshon. It was cut off by, by Josh Norman. But I'm with you. A few of the throws he missed on were high early in the game, uh, and then he missed Aguilar swinging out on the right side. Probably would have been a touchdown. They had to settle for three. They were already up nine at that point, I think, in the fourth quarter. That was a McNabb worm burner if I've ever seen one. Donovan somewhere had to be smiling. Uh, But again, 28-13, they win it walking away, essentially, from the Redskins. And I just, I got the sense, and again, like maybe it took this long for whatever reason, but I got the sense this team has a little bit of swagger now, a little bit of confidence. Right, They made some plays. Guys stepped up, made individual plays. They've gotten an interception in each of the last two games, albeit against average at best football teams with quarterbacks that are not any good Sheely Manning on the downside of his career. Malcolm Jenkins picked him off. And obviously Colt McCoy breaks his leg and Mark, Sanche- Mark Sanchez just stinks, period. Uh, but you got to take advantage of what's in front of you. The Eagles have done that. And for as frustrating as this year has been and for as little wiggle room if they have given themselves down the stretch, here we are in December with a more than meaningful game and some other NFC teams lost this weekend where the wild card not out of question yet. Obviously, you'd like to win the division. They lost to the Cowboys 27-20 on November 11th. They have a chance for redemption down in Dallas. And we'll see what happens. But I'm getting the sense there's some confidence from this team. The defense, as you as you know, it has brought more pressure, it seems, the last couple of weeks. Um, look, there's no doubt, in my mind, the Cowboys are better than the Giants and the Redskins. And they're feeling good about themselves. Dallas has all the momentum in the world. A long week. They beat the Saints. The team nobody thought could be stopped. They basically kept Drew Brees in that high flying offense off the board for most of the game. And so Dallas is feeling good about itself. Its defense is playing its best football, and they've reestablished a running game, thanks in large part to the Eagles game in Philly, where all of a sudden the Cowboys, who were left dead in the water going into that game, it was a must-win for them as much as it was for the Eagles. They were the team that showed up. They were the team that then built momentum for now the next few weeks. They go in, they beat Atlanta, they beat the Saints, And now, all of a sudden, Dallas is rolling, feeling pretty good about itself. So, I'll pose this question to you, John Mina, before we get into sort of breaking down the matchup and what's important, uh, some of the things you touched on earlier. The confidence factor. Scale 1 to 10. What is your confidence going into this game that the Eagles can win and take over the top spot in the NFC East?
1: You know, right now, I'm putting it at a 7. Okay. Uh, And I would love to come in and just tell you straight from the door, this is a 9, this is a 10, but... I mean, you have to give the Cowboys and I hate to do this, I wanna kill myself for doing this. I hear but you. you. you gotta give their credit because their defense is playing extremely well. They have two really solid linebackers, Jalen Smith, Van D Layton who's the right. guy that I talked about last year. Look, the draft listen, both both State. guys
0: drafted too. And you gotta yeah. give him some credit there.
1: Well no, I again, you know, Jalen Smith, a guy that I love, but he had that horrific injury when he was playing in a bowl game versus Ohio State, but They took a flyer on him, let him sit out the entire year, and now he's pretty much rounding out the form. But uh, their defense is playing extremely well. And the one thing, when Dak Prescott plays really well, when Ezekiel Elliott is running the football really well. So other than that, I mean, I just – listen, I do think the Eagles always find a way to play well down in Dallas. For some reason, I hope they remember – The Dallas kind of came in here and embarrassed them. You know, we didn't have Lane Johnson in that game. Okay, that was pretty big. Um, So, you know, right now it's at a seven, but this is a very winnable football game. You look at the ebbs and flow of the NFL. You know, right now when Dallas had a bye week, they came back and played Tennessee at home. It got absolutely destroyed. Now they played Thursday night with them being with the time. off. remember, it was the opposite with the Eagles. The Eagles were coming off a five, then they felt, if we all rested up to go against Dallas, and they kind of came out flat. So, I'm hoping it's a similar recipe, and I think, you know, I think Carson Wentz is going to make a statement when it comes back and goes back to Dallas. So, I, I mean, right now, I would say seven, but this is a very winnable football game. For all those people who think that the Eagles don't have a chance in this game, they're just they're just not watching football. I just don't get it. But I wouldn't say, I mean, a lot of the Eagles are going to have to play probably the best game of their season
0: to win this game. Yeah, it's got to be a clean game. You know, you got to limit the turnovers, limit the penalties. Blocking's got to be spot on. They've got to pressure Prescott. They've got to stop the run. I mean, those are the things that jump out to me. The offense seems to be taking that proverbial next step. Sproles being back is huge. Tate now with some confidence. Wentz feeling better about his game. They scored more than 25 points. Um, you know, for the first time in a while. They put up 25 against the Giants, 28 against the Redskins, only seven against the Saints. You go back that week prior, 20 against the Cowboys, a lot of them coming late. But they were, let's remember, against Dallas at home, for as poorly as they played, and as well as Ezekiel Elliott played, the Eagles were nine yards away from tying that game in the final seconds. If there's one more play on the clock, maybe they tie it. You know, but that narrative didn't happen. The dynamic changed in the division and the Eagles have had a battle hard the last two weeks against division opponents to get it back where they have a shot. They've given themselves a shot now. We'll see if that championship-type caliber comes out. We'll see if that leadership comes out. Can they play with a spark on the road? Can they bring that swagger, that confidence from winning two in a row down to Dallas? We'll see early in the game who's ready to go. And then it's going to come down to coaching at some point. Who's going to design the better play? Who's going to have the answer, play call on defense? Who's going to make fewer mistakes? It might come down to a field goal. I mean, these are the types of games you want in December. Division battle, on the road, your most hated rival, but you've given yourself a chance after some people like yours truly wrote them off. I didn't think this was a possibility. Dallas was playing way too well, and the Eagles then got pounded by the Saints, and it was just, well, they've, you know, they've got to win out, or they got to win five of their last six. Well, they've taken a few steps in the right direction with back-to-back division wins. Again, poor opponents, but you got to take care of the business in front of you. And the Eagles have done that the last two weeks. I give them credit for that. Let's see if they show up on Sunday uh, against the Cowboys. Again, I think Darren Sproles being back is a huge factor in this game. I think he can give them another weapon, another set of eyes that the defense has to pay attention to. And Corey Clement and Josh Adams the last couple of weeks have had really, really good, impactful games. And the screen game for the Eagles Monday night was the best it's been in a while. And that certainly bodes well going into Dallas against an aggressive defense. Throw some of those screens, big gains, quiet that crowd and see how they fare.
1: Yeah, you make a great point with the screen game. I love it. Absolutely. They were they were throwing all types of screens out there. And it's just nice. And I would love to see, you know, the one thing, like, at first when I was watching the game, I'm like, you know, love having Sproles back. Then they're, like, handing the ball off inside the tackle to him. I'm like, can we get this guy in space? Yeah. I mean, he's at his best when he's in space as a one-on-one matchup with somebody, makes somebody miss, and then he just makes a move and then he just gets a ton of yards after that. So, like, to see him involved, like, to see him line up in the slot, lot. There's no way Lena Vander Esch or Jalen Smith, I know they both can run. I decide extremely well. But if you put them in the slot against rolls and isn't it nice to know that he's back there on punt returns? Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, listen, I thought he had a chance to break one. There was one punt return he had a shot at, and his own man kind of ran into it. Yep. Yep. He made one cut, in eight, eight and a house call. So, looking forward to that. It's it's so nice to have him back. And uh, let's see Doug get creative with the play calling. But for the love of God, Jim Schwartz, you gotta lay it all out there. this week. You know everything you have defensively, you're gonna come up with something new. You have some cornerbacks that aren't your third and fourth stringers. I know we saw Douglas at times gets turned around. Cindy Jones didn't look great. But they did make some nice tackles in the open field. But just, just if you force the quarterback to make critical, quick decisions, if you get beat, fine, so what? But force him to do that, right? And if you don't get any pressure, then then any quarterback in this league could pick your play.
0: Yep, I agree, hundred so. percent. I have my confidence scale pretty much the same thing. Unfortunately for the listeners out there, about a seven. I feel good because the Eagles have built some confidence. Couple of weeks ago, I would have told you no shot the Eagles win this game, but I feel like they've got something going right now, and they know they have an opportunity. Okay, you're not scoreboard watching on Sunday. You're not worrying about anybody else. You take care of business, and you are right back in the mix, atop the NFC East with a handful of games to go. Difficult schedule, yes, but build on that momentum. Some, you know, one home game left against the Texans you got to go on the road on Los, to Los Angeles, so it's a tough uphill battle for the Birds. But if they're playing their best football in December, that's all you can really ask for. Uh, I will, you just I, hope. Yep, yeah, go ahead. Go
1: ahead. Well, I mean, you just hope with the Rams. I mean, essentially if the Rams beat the Bears this weekend, that means they clinch a first-round bye and pretty much, you know, home-field advantage throughout. So maybe then when the Eagles play them, they might not be that motivated. Then you hope the Texans win a couple games You know, they continue their win streak and just come to Philly and just want to get back home as soon as possible. So down the stretch, the Cowboys definitely have an easier schedule. I think after the Eagles, they have to go play the Colts, the Giants.
0: And the Redskins, yeah.
1: Yeah, we shall see.
0: We shall see, but they've given themselves a chance, and that's really all you can ask for here in the uh, early stages of December. Um, All right, let's jump to the Philadelphia Flyers. The announcement official, Chuck Fletcher. After almost a decade as the Minnesota Wild general manager, he was released from his duties, relieved of his duties. When Minnesota bowed out in the first round of Winnipeg in April, he's been uh, working as a senior advisor for the Devils. I told you I've seen him scouting around. The Iowa Wild were one of his teams, so I've seen him in press box. I've seen him uh, at some of our road games. He's a very poised individual. Uh, individual. He's a pro's pro. He's not going to give you a whole lot media-wise. He's not going to get flustered You're not going to see him uh, making any drastic moves. He is a very patient individual, a professional, and I like the move. I, I honestly do. I'm biased, obviously. I'd love for him to succeed. Minnesota fans are tough, but they're not like Philly when it comes to expectations as far as winning and losing. So it'll be interesting to see how Chuck Fletcher handles that dynamic. I just hope the city and the fan base give him some time because he's got to evaluate now. I mean, put yourself in a new job, right? The first thing you do when you come in... You got to see what you have. Chuck Fletcher's been in this spot before. When he took over for the Minnesota uh, at the Minnesota Wild as their GM back in 2009, Doug Risebrow had just been let go. You don't just come in and clean house. You got to see what you have. And this is an in-season move, so it's even less fair to Fletcher, I'd say, to just come in and expect him to make sweeping changes. And it actually may benefit the organization for him to see some regular season hockey with the personnel. See the farm team in Lehigh Valley. See how the coaches and the scouts work together and all that dynamic as an organization, which appeared from stuff we've read to be a bit dysfunctional from a Flyer standpoint in recent seasons and more recently than that this year. And so that's certainly concerning. He's got to come in there and sort of like Doug Peterson when he took over the Eagles, maybe change the culture a bit uh, from management on down because there were some things going on that have come out since Ron Hextall was fired that have not been pretty about the organization. And so Chuck Fletcher's job, come in, stabilize things a bit, and start to put some pieces in place. Again, he's not afraid to make trades. He's done it throughout his tenure with the Minnesota Wild. I think you'll see a move here. He does value defense, in my opinion. Uh, Again, his moves at the expansion draft, when Las Vegas came in, a lot of them were to protect the core defensemen, understanding the importance of starting out of your own zone with some good D-men. That gets you up the ice. So we'll see what Chuck Fletcher does. He's the new Flyers general manager. I couldn't be more thrilled about the situation. Love the guy to death. Philly Philly, get your Bud Lights ready. Because one thing I'll say about Chuck Fletcher, he loves his Bud Light. John Mita, your thoughts on the new GM of the Flyers?
1: Well, I mean, let's, let's give credit where credit's due, Joe. You were the one that broke this name right out of the hat when I talked to you a couple weeks ago. And sure enough, you let me know that this was probably going to happen. So here's what I do like about this Situation. Again, it's some—it's getting a fresh pair of eyes that hasn't been with this organization, doesn't really know anything about it, and I think that is huge. So many times, this I think this franchise has struggled because we've always done the hiring within and not getting a new, fresh perspective on what's going to win today. If you look at Chuck Fletcher's background and his track record, you know, he did a great job in Minnesota getting that team to the playoffs. You know, making some good moves, finding key free agents like Zach Parise
0: and who is it, Ryan Suter? Yeah, Ryan Suter. They made the playoffs six right. straight years in Minnesota. I think it's only one exactly. of three teams to do that the last six years. So, exactly. And Pittsburgh's so that, one of them. Right.
1: You want to be in the thick of the race every year, and who knows what happens after that? You know, for me, like I said before, I found out like couple. Of, the Dave Brown, I think, scouting. I think he might have to clean up. Maybe and it's great, like you said, he's coming in, he gets to evaluate the talent, but maybe do some other shaking up in the organization. This is kind of like the Flyers organization is kind of like an old boys network, when you know it's past employees and this person's son has a job, and you know they've hired so many people within. I, I, you know, listen, loyalty is a great thing, but is it going to produce? results that we're looking and I think he just needs to come in see what he has it'll be interesting to see if we ever get him on we'll try to get him on for an interview and I would just love to know like his philosophy and how he feels about maybe playing a young goaltender coming up through the system because I think that might have been a point of contention here with this organization so it'll be I, I just like the fact that they that they hired outside and It'll be interesting to deal. Now that they have a general manager in place, the question is the next question or the next chip to fall or something like that is what are they going to do with Dave Hagshaw? You know, is he going to be willing to work for them? I mean, there's been speculation that he just might blow him out the door. You have the hot name of Joe Quinville out there, somebody with great experience, has championship pedigree coaching. So we'll see what happens, but it's, you know, Patience is going to be key, but it'll be interesting to see if he makes a move that really shakes up the organization. And when I say that, I'm talking a move like maybe trading a guy like Claude Drew. And I know people might not like that, but maybe if hey, Wayne Simmons this. is a
0: pending free agent. I've heard his name mentioned as a possibility. Yeah. I'll tell you one no thing, you can, you can get a young defenseman for a guy like Wayne Simmons on a team that's looking to make a push for the playoffs. And I love Black Jesus, as I call him, more than anybody. We all I love I don't Black want to see Jesus. him go. Yeah. You know the Wayne train is the Wayne train, but if you got to make a move and you need to improve certain areas, goaltending and defense are probably the biggest two. He's he's a trade commodity right now. The Flyers sit in ninth as far as the wild card race goes. They're only five points out, but they got a handful of teams to leapfrog over. And I know there's a lot of hockey left, but uh, certainly right. it'll be interesting to see how this plays off, plays out. Yeah, uh, a couple yeah. more things I want to throw your way. Uh, a name to keep in mind. Out there listening on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Brotherly Love podcast. Chuck Fletcher's right-hand man, his right-hand man in Minnesota, has been Brent Flair. Now, Brent Flair is still with the Minnesota Wild organization. But he has run the Minnesota Wild draft the last decade, basically. And should he become available, I wouldn't be surprised if Flair joins Fletcher at some point in Philly. Remember, Chris Pryor let go by the Flyers as well. And so there's a hole to fill there as far as an assistant GM and a potential kind of draft guru. So the name Brent Flair, Flyer fans, keep that in mind as this process moves forward. Uh, One hire already made by Chuck Fletcher is to replace Gord Murphy, the fired assistant coach, who from some reports was sort of the alleged rat within the Flyers organization. He was hard on guys, and he was reporting back to Ron Hextall with all the you know, kind of inner shakings throughout the organization, stuff that people probably thought was confidential, allegedly was going back from Gordon Murphy to Ron Hextall. Rick Wilson now has been hired, and I know Rick Wilson. He was a longtime NHL defenseman. He's as nice as a man as you can meet. He's older, but he's experienced. He's seasoned, and he does not have that type of personality that's going to be a roller coaster. Uh, I talked with somebody today that, I, that knows the situation very well and knows Rick Wilson very well. And he said that Wilson is the type of guy that will let the young players learn. He'll give them some rope and he'll keep a calm influence on the bench. Between coaches, you know, when there's discussions about the coaching staff on personnel and strategy, Rick Wilson will kind of be that calming influence to keep everybody on the same page, to keep things moving on in a positive direction. He said, my source, if you will, that Gord Murphy very hard on young players. Technically, just the details of the game... Very much a hard coach to play for if you're young, especially a defenseman. Rick Wilson does not have that approach to the game. We'll see if some of these young Flyer defensemen can flourish a little bit more now with Rick Wilson being the guy they essentially report to. So let's see how that shakes out.
1: Yeah, I guess. Hey, I got a, uh, I got a quick ready tidbit. Yeah, go ahead. Listen to this action. So a friend of ours has told me. That the NHL called the Flyers and said that the mascot for them had to be mandatory. So the Flyers, because they weren't happy that the NHL was demanding that they have a mascot for their franchise, they said, We're going to make the ugliest, scariest looking thing they, they could come up
0: with. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Breaking so, news. Because,
1: yeah. Yeah. That's apparently what happened. And this is. Its source is pretty dialed in. I mean, I'll tell you later off the air. I like I don't it. want to mention his name. Yeah, I hear you. But on air, but uh, but that would be hilarious if that's exactly what transpired.
0: It was sort of like they're shot back across the bow at the NHL?
1: Exactly. And now it's and worked now, out
0: great from a PR standpoint.
1: I, it's, it's the best PR they've gotten in years, for sure.
0: <laughs> John Mita, what'd you make of that article I sent you from Crossing Broad about just how Bad the flyer situation was internally, the amount of strife and the and the bitterness and the, you know and really some of the damage relationship there from management on down. I mean it was it was a pretty damning piece, um, you know,
1: for people that were shocked. Why did GM got fired before the coach? I think the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just uh, for organizations to be successful, everyone in the building has got to be happy. And like from what you know, the guy that covers the flyers here in Philly for a Tom Kidd Sports Cent on Borg, he kinda of said that like the culture was kinda of like Chip Kelly. It was just so
0: one man in so charge. Negative. Yep.
1: One man in charge, so negative, not willing to just listen to other people's ideas and, and you know, where does that get you? <laughs> it gets you on the unemployment line. So
0: And I heard and, I heard that Paul Holmgren, by the way, like pretty much personally fired Gordon Murphy the first second he had because I think they knew some of these things. Again, that's a report I got uh, that Paul Holmgren was just not pleased with what was going on and basically the first chance he had. That's why Gordon Murphy got the boot. You know, what was it, a day after Hextall?
1: Right, and if you look at, you know, some of the dysfunction, well, (laughs) well, I mean, look at what happened in Green Bay. I mean, if you want to talk about assistant coaches, Green Bay fires Mike McCarthy. Then Winston Moss, who was the assistant head coach to Mike McCarthy, comes out and says, somebody needs to hold Aaron Rodgers responsible. in this organization to the Lombardi standard, he gave that tweet out. down. He, he had his walking papers but yeah. then, you know, the next day. Yeah. So it's just, but that type of dysfunction. If your organization for management down is that dysfunctional, it, sometimes it translates to the players. It does. Well, they see it. They're
0: not, they're not, um, Yeah, they're not idiots. They're not naive to it. They see it. No. They know the guys aren't getting along at the top of the food chain. Trust me. Exactly. And so that certainly uh, was concerning. So maybe they get the ship righted here, and maybe that does eventually help kind of turn their play around. I'll add one more thing. This came from a different source who will remain unnamed. Chuck Fletcher, several weeks back, was actually sort of reaching out to the Flyers, doing some homework, doing some research on the Flyers' situation, to which would lead me to believe, again, I'm doing the math here, but I was told Chuck Fletcher weeks ago was calling essentially on the Flyers, trying to get some scoops, some background. That would tell me one thing. Again, this is all just my opinion. Bobby Clark and Chuck Fletcher go way back. Bobby Clark knows there's issues. Bobby Clark has kind of a vague role with the Flyers, right? But he's obviously a Flyer forever. So Bobby Clark knows that there's some strife, some inner rumblings, homegrown and Hextall, it's it's starting to boil. What's he do? Maybe shoots a text. Maybe shoots a quick call to Chuck Fletcher. This is a situation to keep your eye on. I know you're available. That's me doing the math, yeah. but I know for yeah. a fact what I was told, Chuck Fletcher was calling about the Flyers, kind of vetting the Flyers, if you will, weeks ago. So Well,
1: I mean, listen, when it happened, I come to you. He was the first name you threw out there, and like 20 minutes later, then I heard it was on the radio, and then like three days later, he was like pretty much the first person to interview, from what I understand, and obviously they didn't interview anyone else. Yeah, it was he essentially, job, I think
0: they talked so. to Bill Zito, but it was it was basically Chuck Fletcher's <laughs> job to lose, so hopefully he gives yeah. him a chance for sure. All right, Johnny Mato, let's uh, let's shift gears. Uh, you got a man that's tacky. Back-to-back weeks, what do you got?
1: Oh, gosh. Man, that's tacky. I'm going to talk about the millennials that go to the bar and what they'll do these days, Joe. Is they'll drink all night, they'll run their $100 tabs up, and then pretend that they forget their car, they were too drunk. And then basically these establishments, some, some establishments have it where they charge an 18% gratuity if you don't close out your tab, but some don't. So I know for a fact that many people have just left their cards overnight so that they, they don't have to tip their what? bartenders. What? Yes, yes.
0: First of all, you yes. should you should be tipping the the establishment just for keeping your card.
1: Exactly. When you come back the back, next day,
0: the fact it's not in the trash can or cut in half or, oh, we don't have it. Yes, I'd be tipping yes. just because of that. Forget the bartender.
1: Listen, I'm, I'm so that's, that's, that's my first stamp Oof. that is extremely bagging. The second one is for all these people that don't know how to park, public parking. There lines. we go. You know these people. You know these people I'm talking about. They're always over to one side, or they're downright the middle. They're taking two spots. Just a nice parking space. You'd love to fit your car in there, and these morons just take up their half of the of the line. So you know what? There's some tacky ass parkers out there. So yeah, damn, that's tacky as hell.
0: Well, you sort of, uh, you sort of stole my thunder earlier. Because my uh, my tackiness, my man that's tacky, my God that's tacky, is uh, how the Packers handled the Mike McCarthy firing. Here's a wow. guy that's won a Super Bowl, a guy that's won more games other than a handful of coaches since he was hired in 2006. I know it's been ugly, but to me it shows who's running that organization and his number 12 Aaron Rodgers. And the fact that Mike McCarthy was fired about an hour after, granted, a miserable loss to the Cardinals, the fact he wasn't allowed to finish the season – Seems a bit tacky to me, given all he's done for that organization. So that's my uh, man that's tacky. Packers, got to get it together and do things with a bit more class. Since you're one of the oldest franchises in sports history, you pride yourself on all this class and and heritage and nostalgia. And then you gas a guy that's won you a Super Bowl. And again, it seemed like that maybe wasn't coming. Management. Again, the Packers don't have an ownership group, right? They're publicly owned. So they're a unique situation there. And I'll, I'll just tie it in with this real quick. That's the one thing. Uh, Back to our hockey conversation for a quick moment. You know, Minnesota Wild has great ownership in Craig Leopold. That guy wants to win bad. He's willing to spend to the cap. Minnesota and Philadelphia, very similar. The Flyers willing to spend every year. They want to win bad. But sometimes you'll get that influence then when the fan base, ownership, they're putting that pressure cooker on you to make decisions as a GM. And so, again, I hope that the city ownership gives Chuck Fletcher a fair shake and doesn't become overbearing on him, forcing him to make some moves for his sanity, to keep his job; those sorts of things over the long term. Because I think what we've seen here now from some organizations, not just in Philly but elsewhere, when you have a rotten situation or you have ownership that doesn't have it together, things can spiral out of control. And I think now the Packers are starting to, uh, or the national scene is starting to understand who's actually in charge: of the Green Bay Packers, and it appear, appears to be the guy wearing number twelve taking snaps on Sundays. Um, that can get out of control if it's allowed to fester, if other guys in the locker room are realizing this guy's in charge. Uh, there's a lot of talk on National Sports Radio today about Aaron Rodgers and how maybe he's not the best leader and how maybe he's starting to influence some things in that Packers organization. So I found that very interesting.
1: Man, he's a strange guy. I mean, he has a very um, disgruntled relationship with his family,
0: his yeah. parents,
1: he doesn't even talk to his brother. Um, so he, his brother he ripped him on training. Twitter recently. <clears throat> ripped him about yeah. donating to the wildfires, yeah. not worrying about. See if his parents were okay. yeah. So, yeah. I mean that's. No, oh, it's a, it's a it's a hard situation when one player has that much
0: control. Yep, you and Bron know, do, James, I do, I do, same way.
1: Exactly. You know, and and I'll tell you what I think it's. You know, they probably could have waited to the end of the season. It's not like they're going to be able to. I mean, I just...
0: Right, you're not you salvaging know. the season. You're not going to win now with right. somebody else all of a sudden, I wouldn't imagine, right. especially when your I mean, replacement's Joe Philbin. Joe Philbin, right. the, inter- think, the interim head coach now. Right. I mean, come on. Right.
1: right, and I think basically, you know, I think basically if you look at it today, or in the last couple of years, so to speak, if you look at it, you know, these coaching candidates, the guys of the hot commodity, the Josh McDaniels, John the Flipper, like, these guys, you know, if their season's essentially over, they're interviewing for jobs. More last year, people are interviewing for jobs, like, during the playoffs. Like, if they had, they were interviewing, like, on their bye week So, right. I guess it's just to get the, the ball rolling, to get the head, the head start. But, yeah, I mean, they could have did McCarthy a little better. I mean, he was, you know, he brought him to the Super Bowl. He was there for such a long time. They probably could have let him finish up. But you could just tell that the team was
0: just not playing for him as well. Yep, yep, one hundred percent. Rogers looks disinterested too, for that matter. Uh, uh, all right,
1: he's, he's ready to go golf.
0: Yeah, so. on the fly, brother. What yeah. do you it's got? Like him ready? I
1: drafted him with like Five fantasy Um. <clears throat> anyway, um. Uh, yeah, on the fly. This is a non-sports related one, so yep. we were kind of talking about this earlier tonight, local watering hole. But Joe. If you won the lottery or could have any car automobile in the world, what would it be?
0: That's a great question, man. I'm not a Anything. huge car guy. Um, I know you're not. That's why I figured.
1: This well, you know, it's just to,
0: to, to properly honor my pops. I'd I'd go with a Corvette. Okay. I go okay. maybe. I mean, he's got a '66 Stingray. That's a sleek design. I can almost always pick out like that that era, that '60s era, because yeah. a lot of them look the same. So I'd probably cool. I'd probably just go pick out a vet. Unfortunately I don't drive sticks, so I might just sit around and collect some dust. But uh at least when, when uh when my peeps would pull up into the driveway they'd see a pretty slick whip. So I'd have there to go, with, go I'd have to go with a vet. What about you?
1: Oh, that's great. i um, well I am I love cars. Always have. Um driven a couple nice fast cars. For me, man, it would have to be a Ferrari Medina spider convertible, man. I just Can love you speak the way English the Ferrari please. Sports <laughs> Mm-hmm. The Ferrari, it's just it's just so fast but so sleek looking. I, I love a Ferrari. All
0: so, right, here's my all on the yeah. fly for you, and it's back to the Packers right. theme. Okay. Your reaction to the firing of Mike McCarthy and who's most to blame for the Packers' shortcomings this season?
1: Well, I thought it might happen. Just didn't think it happened three weeks, couple weeks ago in the season. Um, who's supposed to blame? I mean, Aaron Rodgers hasn't really played this year. Like I said, I've had him in many fancy leagues. Um, so I, I would say it's, it's, I would say maybe, I would say 50%, maybe McCarthy, and then maybe 40% could be just their personnel and maybe them not drafting well over the last couple of years and maybe putting the pieces around like forever the, the Packers haven't had a strong running game or that star running back to go with such a great quarterback. That's been a big problem. Um, so I think that's one of the – and I think maybe McCarthy, just like we saw here with Andy Reid, for 14 years, maybe the message is getting stale. Now, Mike McCarthy, he, he he's probably going to get a coaching job. Uh, you know, I don't see him being out of work that long at all. But I just think sometimes when you have the message and you're out of place for over 10 years, I just think sometimes it's just maybe it's best to move on for both sides. So, you know, I would say it's 40% personnel, but maybe 60%. coach. I mean, you read the things that Aaron Rodgers would change the plays, and it just, if you have that much dysfunction between quarterback and coach, that's not good either.
0: So. All right. Good way to end it. Johnny, meet a good stuff, brother. You as well, my friend. Give me your prediction for the BL Podcast, official prediction, Sunday in Dallas. What do you got?
1: Oh, boy. All right. I think the defense is finally going to rise to the occasion. We're only going to give up 17 points. I like the Eagles,
0: 28-17. I like it. I got the birds, 24-20, because why not? Let's get back and control the NFC East. Fly, Eagles, Fly. This has been the Brotherly Love Podcast, SoundCloud and iTunes. Appreciate the love and support, Johnny Meta, Joe O'Donnell. Till next time, we'll see. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.